He used to say, you know, Satan fell out of heaven. He fell into the choir loft. I'm starting to wonder if, you know, maybe in the sound booth, um, you know, the video, audio video room back there. Yeah, uh, your, Pastor Danny, that's, I thought you were pointing at Allison. I said, yeah, <laughs> not me. Um, so, but I appreciate what they're doing back there and finding a way. I don't know how they found a way to make it work, but, you know, it's, you know I like getting pictures because you all are, you know, have short attention spans. So if I, if I keep... If I keep funny little pictures up there, you guys stay awake, and so I, I do my best, uh, you know, to do that. Honestly, I, I tell the, the pastor, say, hey, finding out biblical truth, you can just kind of you study, get that, but getting somebody who wants to listen to it, that's a that's a whole other art form, uh, especially in the day in which we live. Um, but that's the day in which I live. So you know what? I'm living. Amen. There you go. There we go. All right. Well, last week I started a new series out of Romans chapter number 12, a very, uh, I don't know, well-known passage of Scripture, and I entitled the series, Let's Be Reasonable. And if you didn't listen to last week, I'd encourage you to go back and do that, um, you know, especially that last half. I think I, at least the feedback I got, which is, you know, just what it is, feedback, but um, I, 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 I think some of you, you know, were at least challenged, and probably this week, as you've gone through your week, you've asked each other, maybe during a tough part of the week, hey, just remember, it's just, you know, what you're going through, it's, it's, not, not, it's just reasonable, right? It's reasonable service. That's what we ought to do in light of what Christ did for us. And remember, we saw last week that the, the letter to the book of Romans is really three major sections. The first one deals with uh, the law versus faith and how Paul shows that faith is superior over law. And then the second one, he deals with Israel post-unpardonable sin. After they rejected Jesus Messiah, what does this mean for the Jewish people? And Paul shows them how God is going to keep his promises to Israel. And boy, that's not relevant. It is today. God is is going to keep his promises to his people Israel. And, um, and, and then we get to chapter 12 and we start looking, Paul transitions to, okay, how do we then live? Uh, I, as I've been studying Romans 12, in my own, this is my opinion, so I don't know if it's great, maybe it's dumb, I don't know. Uh, but it seems to me that Romans 12 is a lot like uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount on true righteousness. In other words, if you were a Jewish reader and you had just read this letter and been told that the Mosaic law is inoperative because Christ fulfilled it and that now that salvation is found through faith in Christ and what he did and that no longer are we under the power of the law, if you were a Jewish person, it means how do I now live then? You take all that away and now what do I do? Well, that's what Romans 12 is kind of like. It says, all right, here's as a believer Here's how you should offer your reasonable service. So last week we looked at verse number one where the Bible says, Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Um, so that's where our title comes from. And today we're going to move on to verse two. The Bible says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let me have a quick word of prayer. Then let's jump into our text this morning. Lord Jesus, it's been good to be here this morning. Uh, Lord, we've had to encounter some little few difficulties, but you know, no big deal. We're so thankful for the privilege of, of, um, serving you. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for heaven. Thank you for the assurance that we have that we don't have to live in fear. Um, and God, I pray that you'd give us uh, insight into your word and may your spirit speak to each individual uh, as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Verse 2 of Romans chapter 12.
12 goes on, and I think it gives the how. How do I offer myself then as this living sacrifice? How do I live out this uh, reasonable uh, service that's holy and pleasing as a sacrifice? And in verse number two, the, 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 probably the core word in there is, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. That, that, that it requires a transformation. Now, I know uh, if anybody, if, you know, if I say in our culture today and I say the word transform, I know Gabe back there and all the nerds in here are, you know, are thinking of this. That's if I have pictures. There you go. Um, you know, uh, Pastor Danny and I do merge on the superiority of the Camaro over the Mustang. We are in agreement on that one. Uh, so, you know, uh, but uh, good old Bumblebee be there and I imagine I bet you those Camaros of those older ones what are those the 2010 2012 models or so I imagine anytime you get one that's yellow and black they're probably worth you know twice what other colors are because everybody everybody wants a bumblebee right um and you know if you know the the movie a little bit and if you're if some of you are looking I have no idea what that is it's a robot in a car okay let me it's this movie about cars that are really robots and they're hidden as cars and they can turn in they can transform into robots or the robots transform into cars I don't don't know which way that would work but either way but it, it, it you know it's this process and in the movie the first time it happens you know the wheel comes up and it becomes the arm or whatever and it just it goes all these things move in, in different there's this process that that goes from being a car to the robot or the or the robot to the car now bumblebee could transform pretty quickly but ultimately it's still a process and in the spiritual life in your walk with god Changing your life and becoming more as God wants you to be is a process. Sometimes I think we're pretty hard on ourselves and think, oh, this, I, I'm a Christian. It should just automatically happen. Well, I don't find that anywhere in Scripture that it just automatically happens. And, and it's an experience. Some people think, well, it's just a simple thing. No, I don't know how. It, it, going from a life of doing things my way to doing a life doing it God's way is a process. Now, some of us, are a little slower than others. <laughs> you can be one honest soul in here. Um, you know, I, 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 don't you love those Christians? You know, that's why I love about baby Christians. You know, they're fired up, man. They get saved. They know they're saved in the next week, and they see big changes in their life. But it's those deep-rooted things that are in us that, man, I, it's, a, it's a lifetime of, of, of just submitting to God and, and victory and sometimes defeat. You know, you, you think of transformation, you think of the caterpillar to the butterfly thing. You know, I, I did a picture that, you know, you ever have to do one of those? Uh, uh, did it freeze on us, Allie? Are we done? Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, you know, anybody ever find those little cocoons as a kid and you just sit there and watch it or maybe you're in science class and, and you, you, you sat there and it takes, it takes a lot of time for it to go from that ugly little caterpillar, you know, to the beautiful butterfly. You know, that, that transformation, it takes months. And that, that is a good illustration of, you know, as a Christian, learning not to live in, in the flesh, but to live into the spirit. Now, as a Christian, when I'm trying to live in the spirit, people or issues in my life come along and I find that I can detransition relatively quickly. It takes me a long time to go this way, but let me show you the next picture. I do this one pretty good. I, I go from spirit to flesh and have anger issues, you know, anger management issues, you know, pretty good. And by the way, that is the real Hulk, you know. Can I hear for Lou Ferrigno out there? I don't need this CGI stuff, you know. Real, real person there to put in the hours in the gymnasium, but okay. Uh, I'm, I'm, all the kids think they have all the cool stuff and all those old people know, nah, Bill Bixby, come on. Um, 
But I'm more like that, that I can be walking in the Spirit and something ticks me off and I can turn into the Incredible Hulk and destroy everything in my path really, really quickly. So this morning, quickly, I want to show you how do we then, how does God transform me or how do I offer this reasonable service according to Romans 12 too? Well, how to become reasonable. Uh, First thing that verse tells us, number one, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world uh, right there in our text. Now, I got to tell you, when I go to these passages, I come to them a little bit with fear and trepidation. And any of you who grew up in certain mentality will agree with me this morning. I was, this was probably the favorite passage of every preacher when I was in independent Baptist background. Every teenager who grew up knows this verse, right? We're not, don't be in the world. That's pretty good impersonation too. Except it needs to be a lot louder and for about 40 minutes. Don't love the world, don't love the world, don't love the world. I, I always wondered what the world was. And I, you know, every, every pastor that would come in seemed to have their own list of what that was. Didn't hear a whole lot of real biblical principle in given there, but we'd hear a lot about what we shouldn't do. And basically, the basic summation was this. If, if, if the world doesn't, it's something they all do, and then you're involved in it, then you're worldly. You know, I mean, I was just a dumb teenager, but, you know, my question was, if you're going to make that statement, um, looking around here, I'm going to go on a bet. Does everybody go to McDonald's? Billions and billions served. So that makes it worldly. So if you go to McDonald's, evil sinner, worldly, you're worldly. Quit going to McDonald's. Everybody goes, yeah, Taco Bell. I know, Drew, you go to Taco Bell. All right, all right, all right, all right. But smart people go to Grumpy Dog, all right? That's the reality of it, you know. I'm with you on that. Yeah, I appreciate the way you're keeping up the fight, you know. It's, it's, it's kind of like the Falkland Islands versus the British Empire. It was our historian. You know, good, good, good fight there. Um, it, I was just told, hey, if the world does it, you can't do it. You know, instead of get, being given biblical principle of these are actions and what is God in your circumstance, you know, we weren't really taught a lot of that. To see what, what God is saying here, I think you have to consider the context of the entire letter. You know, the first few verses, one of the things I've learned in studying this new over these last several weeks is these first two verses in this transition, really what Paul is doing is he's writing a summation of everything he's written up to this point in the letter to the book of Romans. Last week we saw that, that uh, the idea of being a living sacrifice is rooted in, you know, they, they knew what the Mosaic Law was and there was a lot of things in there that you can find in chapters 1 to 6. Tonight, or this morning, excuse me, we're going to see uh, chapter 7 and 8 are real illustrated here in this in this process. You see, most of the time when we consider, you know, not being in the world, that maybe the, the favorite passage is, and it's a good one, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, love not the world, these are the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And so this week I thought about this, and I'm sure that uh, some of you great thinkers in here, Pastor Danny and Brock, some of you, some of you who think a little bit, just a little, I, I, I said to myself, well, here's your challenge, you know, try to identify what would you define as the world. Well, d- d- just a, a, my simple offering and is I, I wrote down the, the world is the system of ideas, philosophies, and lusts of the flesh 
in rebellion against the holiness and authority of God. And this world system, mind you, is in rebellion to the authority of God. And the things in my life and in your life that cause me the problems are the things that I'm living in rebellion to God, and I know it. And I still want to do it my way. Now, I have more to say on that, but I want to show you this passage in someone in its entirety, so we're going to move on. So number one is don't be conformed to this world. Don't do that, but be transformed. How? Number two, by renew the mind, by the renewing of your mind. Renew the mind. Don't be conformed. Don't be, follow the pattern. By the way, that's that, the, the meaning of that Greek. Don't, don't follow the pattern of what the unsaved people do, but instead do this. Renew your mind. Now, the Greek word here on renewing has the idea of renovating. Anybody ever said in your house you wanted to do some home renovation? Yeah, boy, I can hear the, I can hear the regret already. You know, it'll only cost $5,000 or so, right? Anybody else find staying on budget was a little more than that? Brock, what does it cost when your kitchen burns down, you know? Um, $42,000, okay, well, there's an honest man here this morning, so moral of that story is never let your teenage son in your, uh, in your kitchen. That, uh, or if you want your kitchen remodeled, put your teenage child in the boy in the kitchen, and you'll probably end up with a remod one way or another, but renovation. Now, when it comes to renovating, I'm personally not real good at it. Some of you people out here are really good craftsmen. You can do things. I'm not really all that good at it. I, I can't do a whole lot of things. But, but I am good at step number one. What's step one in renovating? Anybody? <laughs> you, you guys are pretty good. Destroy everything that's there currently. And I know if you've got one of those countertops that's that, you know, some color, I don't want to pick the color because after church, I'm sure whatever color I pick, you're going to, someone's going to be like, that's one of my favorite colors. That's what we have in our bathroom. Okay, well, I'm happy for you. So no color there, but the color that you despise and you get to take a sledgehammer to it. It's something cathartic about that, isn't there? I remember, I, I will tell you, we've done lots of renovating around the building over the years we've been here and um, you know, with the crown jewel being the ladies' bathroom, you know, and all the ladies said, okay. <laughs> man, $20,000 doesn't buy you what it used to. Um, <laughs> mercy. I know what it is. I know what it is because the, the, the ladies' bathroom is not the favorite renovation. The, the, in this church, the favorite renovation is the kitchen. <laughs> and I will tell you, taking out that old kitchen that was nasty for all those years was very cathartic, Some, right? Some of you were around here for that. Remember that? Um, the, the only problem was the, 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 those, uh, those uh, countertops back there were made out of like five-inch steel from, you know, the USS Missouri, you know, recycled, and, and it didn't care how many times we hit it, but we, we got it. Remember carrying that out of there? Uh, some of you were Danny, we were mad. It, it was a thing, but um, one of my favorite, I had one of my little busy bee workers got a picture from that day when we were doing some renovating, and uh, let's see if she shall, shows up here. No, she's not going to show up here. No, 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 I'm sorry. If you're watching online, where the computer's doing its own thing today. No, it's not. Allison's just looking at me. Oh, that's right. We didn't get it. Oh. oh, and all the people said, "Oh, I had a picture of the most beautiful person in the church." No, not Jenny. Um, she's driving today. Hopefully, she's not listening to the live stream. She is. 
okay, the second most beautiful person in the church <laughs> would be my granddaughter. And I had a picture of her with a little hammer with her goggles on in the kitchen when we were doing the, doing the demo, you know. And I, I like doing the destruction part. But rebuilding, especially in renovating, because, you know, I, for the people that do building tell me they would much rather build a brand new thing because that way they can be sure that every corner is at 90 degrees and everything, every floor is relatively level. When you're doing renovating, does anybody have a 90-degree angle in their house anywhere? Or that pitch on the floor, you know, I, uh, all those little things that seem like little things until you get to the end and your counter's like this, you know, it, it, it problems. Renovating. In our minds, in our hearts, some things have to be ripped out. In Colossians and Galatians, Paul wrote it this way, we have to put off some things. Anger and wrath and malice. You got to put off some things. Now, when it comes to renewing your mind, Paul had written a lot about the mind, and which is what I think he has in, in, in mind here in verse number two. Um, back in Romans chapter eight, just a few chapters earlier, uh, he had written extensively about this in, in Romans chapter eight. Familiar verses again that many people think are about salvation. Really, they're about discipleship. Uh, they're written, this part I think is directed to believers. In chapter number eight and verse number one, uh, I don't know, Val, you have those up there, Allie? Those are? Okay. Um, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. It's talking to believers there that, that, that if you don't want to live in, in con- judgment of God as a believer don't walk in the flesh but walk in the spirit for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do that it was weak through the flesh God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemns sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be justified in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that after the Spirit mind the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. For then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. God has a lot to say here in in this passage. And in verses 5 to 7, he begins talking about the mind and what it is to be spiritually minded or fleshly minded. I was reading uh, Dr. Uh, Hodges, Zane Hodges' commentary on this, and he, he took those Greek words, and boy, I wish I could have studied Greek under that guy. Man, you imagine having a Greek class under him, Pastor Danny, Pastor Cody, under Zane Hodges. He was just a Greek master. But he, he said that a great literal translation of that would be, don't have the mindset of the flesh or have the mindset of the spirit. It's a mindset. Ever develop a certain mindset? And I think that's what God is challenging believers to do is to have a spiritual mindset, not a flesh one. Now, he does define uh, in, verses, uh, in verse 10 uh, and 9 and 10, if, if, if you don't have the spirit of Christ in you, you're none of his. He's saying if, you, if you've never come to a point in your life, you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and the Holy Spirit of God baptized you into Christ, then, then you're none of his. 
But he turns around and says, but if Christ is in you, because that's who he's really addressing here. He's saying, I understand if somebody is unsaved and they're not, they have no spirit, and then, then they're not going to have these things. But if Christ is in you, then he identifies and says, but the body is still in sin. That our, that our body still contains in it the operation of the flesh. That it wants to do what <laughs> it wants to do. You see, believers have eternal life, but boy, we still wrestle in this flesh, and it has, my body still has the mindset of the flesh. Now, this is exactly what Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verses 22 uh, to 25, where Paul wrote, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, my body, warring against the law of my mind that my body is going against what my inward man wants, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God that through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that with the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin, with my body, the law of sin. So there's this war that rages in the life of the believer in our minds and in our flesh and in our spirit and we must be renewed in the spirit of our minds and we must have the mindset of the spirit. The spirit is life. It's a living faith. You see, if you choose a, life, a, a mindset of flesh, as, as Paul wrote in there in chapter 8, it's at enmity, it's at odds with God and, and it always, it cannot please God ever. We studied this when we studied through 1 John, which, boy, how many people take 1 John and make it a litmus test if you're really saved or not? This is totally not even in my notes, but if you read 1 John and you're reading it to discern whether you're really saved or not, you're going to come out unsaved every single time. That's where you're going to come out. Because not one of us Christians has kept everything perfect. We've all made mistakes. But instead... He's talking about having a, a living spiritual life and every time you and I live to the flesh, it leads to death and separation. And every single time we live to the spirit, it produces fruit of the spirit every time. The spirit man will always do the right thing. As John wrote, it cannot sin. But it, the, the, the body of flesh over here, boy, it's capable of all kinds of things. And people say, well, I can't imagine a Christian could do that. Oh, I, I, I can imagine. And you've imagined it too. You see, this is exactly what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 7 in verses 9 through 11. He says the same thing. He says, for I was alive without the law once, but when commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. For sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it it slew me. In other words, when you and I are walking in the spirit life and we're trying to do what God wants us to do and there's an area where God's called us to obedience or there's an area where God wants to rip something out of our life and, and, and we tell God no and we start developing instead of the mindset of the spirit, we immerse ourselves in the mindset of the flesh and all the things around you, every influence in your life from the music you listen to to the people you hang around with to the places you go to the things you watch on TV, all those things are sending a message. You have this mindset of the world. Don't be surprised when your fellowship with God is dead you say well I don't know believers can do that well one honest guy here I'll tell you in my personal walk with God over the years I've experienced that where I've told God no in areas of my life there's been seasons of my life where I had the mindset of the flesh 
So to be a living sacrifice and offer reasonable service, we must reject the world system and choose the mindset of the Spirit. Now, all that to say this morning, get to the last, last point. Number three, put it to the test. Now, in Romans chapter 12, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, this is where it's going to get down into the nitty-gritty. Oftentimes, this verse is very much debated. I have read some of the commentaries say, you know, real Christians prove it. That, that the way to prove you're genuine is, boy, you better do this, you better do this, you better do this. Again, I would struggle to ever know if I ever really knew I was saved, if that was the basis. I'm thankful to know that I'm on my way to heaven because of the promise that Jesus Christ made to me. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to know that, that I'm secure in his hand. Some people say, well, we got to prove it, discover God's will. And as you do things right, you can discover God's will, whether it's his good will, his acceptable will, or his perfect will. Now, if you have, I'm sure this morning many of you heard that. When I was in Bible college, you know, these are, the, these are the discussions you have. You know, what if you didn't do this? What if you, I don't know. All I know is God's foreknowledge is never threatened. His sovereignty and foreknowledge is very secure. He knows, he knows the choices you and I are going to make, but it doesn't mean, doesn't eliminate what you and I, the choices we're going to make. So I don't know when you say, what if I'd have chosen to do this? What if I'd have chosen to take this pastor? And say, I, you know, I, I don't know. I know the choices that, that I did make, and I'm accountable for them. But some people say, well, you know, if, if you're kind of good, you can get the goodwill of God. If you're not quite as good, you can have the acceptable will of God. But if you're really good, you get the perfect will of God. I thought I wrote it in my notes. And uh, hopefully my wife is, well, hopefully she's still listening. Um, I wrote in my notes, did you marry an acceptable spouse or a perfect spouse? <laughs> no, one's, no one's answering that question here this morning, people. Um, you know, oh, what if I'd have married this person, that person, that's a perfect person. I, you know, I, you know I, I, I felt like I married the perfect one. I don't know if Jenny would have the same evaluation <laughs> as I have, but, you know, I, I think I did that. Um, and, and we go through this life with this idea of, you know, first, second, third place, and I don't think it, it, that's what God has in mind here in this passage. Again, I think it's critical to see it in its entirety in the picture in which it's given. It's difficult, the word prove, in its tense, in its Greek, Greekness to bring into the English language. Um, but in summation of what he's saying in verse 1 and then into verse 2, uh, I'm going to quote Zane here, Zane Hodges, because it's an excellent quote. This is what he says about this verse. The realization of the divine will is the intended result of the transformation. In other words, if we're supposed to be transformed and changed from the mindset of the flesh to the mindset of the spirit, what is the practical outgrowing of that is ultimately the will of God. That is, you are leaving the mindset of the flesh and you're, you're trying to, you know, and you're yielding to the Holy Spirit of God and letting God produce the right things in your life. What will result from that is the will of God. And when you read back in Romans chapter 7 and 8, you're not going to find the focus is not on finding God's will. It's on doing God's will. Hmm. 
You see, as Romans 8, 6 said, we read this a moment ago, for to be carnally minded is death. If you live under the flesh, your spirit life is going to die. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Would you like to have a great life and a peaceful life? I think that's a pretty worthy goal. And I got to tell you, from the the books I read on great heroes of the faith and some of my mentors that I've personally been able to watch and evaluate. Um, I've shared this with you before, but it's just the reality. I have never met, I have never met somebody that as a pattern of life lived God's will in their life that got to be in their 80s and 90s and said, oh, I regret this. Oh, I wish I'd have done something different. I've never seen it. We, 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 so many times we as pastors say, oh, you got to find God's will. And as a teenager, I remember I was scared to death. What is God's will going to mean? Oh, boy, I don't know. God's will might be. No, 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 no. The best thing you'll ever experience in your life is knowing you're right in the center of God's will. Doesn't matter if there, maybe I have problems in your life. Maybe there's struggles in relationships. But when you know that you are where you are supposed to be, that the areas of your life that you need to submit to God, the weakness areas and the failures and those kind of things that you're doing your best to acknowledge, confess those sins and forsake them and you're, you're trying to put right influences around you and you're renewing your mind. You're, maybe you're in your Bible study each day. You've got a verse of scripture that's a, a word of encouragement. You're doing the things that you know you ought to do and you're yielding yourself. And, and there's nothing better than being in the will of God. And in the days in which we live right now, I promise you, people you work with, the people we interact at the grocery store, everybody's dying to know somebody who understands what it is to live in peace in a world of chaos. Christians can have that. And what God is saying here is you're transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what God is saying is, if you do these things, try me, prove me now. Remember that verse in Malachi? Prove me now. Try it out. See if you like it. As I just shared with you, the people in my life, the mentors I've had that I've watched, they, they never regretted when they, they gave their life for what God called them to do. I have never met two individuals that were married that both committed, both of them said, I want to commit to do God's will and be spiritually minded in my marriage and others first and love like God. I have never met a marriage where both of them did that, that they didn't have a happy marriage. Never read it, never met it. Now, all of us don't do it quite perfectly. Not saying there's never any bumps, but I'm a really happily married guy. Hey, my wife's still listening. So. <laughs> Some of you, you're like, what is he saying that for? And my daughter's here, so. You know. Actually, when, when your adult child is in the room, you know, I'm, I'm pretty bold, but I'm not going to stand up here in front of you and lie about Jenny and I's relationship when I have somebody that's in the back room back there that knows. Now, Allison would tell you that I was always right, um, <laughs> which is why she is my favorite child. Um, <laughs> But God is basically saying, 
try my will and see how good it is. That the will of God in summation is good. It's, it has intrinsic excellence. That's what the Greek word there means. I'm good. And that, it, that it's acceptable that when you and I are doing the will of God, that's the only time we're really offering service to God that he's, that's acceptable to him. When I'm not doing things in the spirit and I'm not doing it his way, I'm doing it my way. I might be doing all, I might be up little old ladies across the street. I don't know what you're doing, but that isn't counting any, any bonus points to God because you're doing it in the flesh. You're doing it. Oh, look at me. I'm doing this. No, 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 no. It's good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. The idea there of perfect is that it is of the highest standard, that it is complete. And when you and I decide we want to live with a mindset of the Spirit, and we recognize it's a process, it's going to take some time. People say, oh, I've been trying this. You know, it's one of my favorite things. People come, they go, oh, I, you know, my marriage is a mess. How long have you been married? Oh, I've been married about... 12 years and how's how's it been going over those 12 oh it's been a disaster this that and the other and then they come to church and they say well you know i'm going to try and do it god's way in a year or so later two years later things aren't going very well and they're and they say well i tried it god's way i want to say to you hey if you did it your way for 20 years maybe give god at least the same amount that you did it your way then come check with me Bottom line, it means making some choices. You know, I wrote in my notes, have you ever really sought to do God's will? Really? Have you ever, in the quietness of the moment, told God, I am surrendering everything. I know I'm your child. I, and then you said, I'm going to allow that process in my life. The, 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 you know, the pain that's going to come when you, when you chop off things that's going to hurt, I get it. I'm going to stick. I'm going to pattern my life with a spirit mindset. It, it, it means saying no to bitterness and uncontrolled anger and unforgiveness and lust. It means saying no to drug and alcohol abuse. It means saying no to profanity and spiteful words. Every single one of us here this morning, every Christian in here has some besetting sin is what they call it. Some sin that you keep having to deal with because it's something that Satan knows is a weak area. I'm sure you know what yours is. You think, I don't have one. Well, ask your spouse then. They'll fill it in. You, you have one. Now, in my study this week, especially in Romans 7 and 8, as I was studying, okay, God, if I'm supposed to do this, how, how, do, how, how do we do this? I mean, I, I want to put this down. How do I make this happen? Or how do I yield myself to the way that you can put me in the place that you want me to be? And I found that God gives a strategy to develop the spirit mindset and experience life and peace, to know God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. See, when I'm trying to do the right thing, I come to a church service like this and I hear, you know, God's word expounded and, and the Holy Spirit shows me, hey, you know, you, 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 have, you have this area that is in your life that's, that's of the mindset of the flesh and you need to, you, that's something you need to give to me and that need, we need to see a transformation there. And, and let's say, for example, this morning, let's say that I, I, I'm dealing with a uh, critical spirit. I, I know nobody here this morning has a critical spirit, so I chose this one, you know, um, Sarcasm. I'm missing Brian this morning. Brian Furkalock, if you're listening, you would have got that. Um, 
But when I find that, and God says, you've got this critical spirit, and I recognize it, and I agree with God, and I say, okay, God, yes, forgive me. I've got this critical spirit. Help me, help me not to have a critical spirit. And I wake up in the morning, and I say, Lord, today, I want to not have a critical spirit. Help me not have a critical spirit today. And, 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 and he's constantly throughout the day, as I'm going through the day, I look around, and I may look at Brock this morning, and I may say, God, help me not to be critical of Brock's shirt this morning. It's a baby blue. I guess that's appropriate, you know, baby blue. But and maybe, maybe he says, don't, don't tell DT he's obnoxious. You know, what's going on in my brain? You know, just, you know, don't be critical of DT, of, you know, that Alabama can't seem to beat anybody by double digits this year. You know, don't, don't say things like that. Don't do that. Don't complain to this person that. And, and all throughout the day, I'm telling my mind what it should not do. Anybody else had that experience? While I was gone a couple of weeks ago when Jen and I were out of the, on a little short break, I was reading a book. I think it was by Malcolm Gladwell. Some of you may know him. Not a Christian guy per se, um, but I like reading his books. He's fascinating things to say. And he was talking about studies that went into researching the human mind. And he pointed out that our minds... Human minds cannot comprehend the negative. Say, so what do you mean by that? It, it, it's incapable of doing it. Let me give you an example. Don't think of pizza. Everybody in here this morning, what are you thinking about right now? Pepperoni, black olives, double cheese. Taco Bell pizza. <laughs> Taco Bell. <laughs> See what I mean? I told you, don't think of that. And the first thing you did is think about it. And I thought to myself, that's what I do in my Christian life all day. I go around all day saying, don't do this, don't do this. And all day long, what, I, what am I thinking about? The very thing I'm trying to get away from. He used in his book an illustration of snow skiers. Anybody ever, I know we do water skiing down here in the south. We're not big snow skiers here, you know. Um, but anybody get some snow skiers? I know Brock used to snow ski a little bit. Um, I like it. If you haven't done it, it's really a lot of fun. It used to be before I, when I could walk and stuff. It was great. But um, I remember the, first, the very first time I went snow skiing was with our youth group, our church youth group. And uh, it was in Wisconsin, so giant mountains there in Wisconsin, but big enough to me. And I remember, me and a couple of my buddies, you know, when you first get on your skis and all that, your rental skis, they have these little, these little bunny hills, what they call them, where you, could, you get pulled up by a rope, and then you can kind of ski back down to kind of get We did that twice. Skied about from here to the back of the auditorium, down these little hills twice. And then we jumped on a ski lift that took, went up to the highest one, the highest tra- rated hill they had. Typical teenage boy thinking. It all seemed really good until I got to the top of that mountain and I was looking down and it it sure seemed like the snow path was wider down at the bottom than it was at the top. And I remember myself thinking, you know, I had no idea how to steer. I didn't even know how to get off the ski. I thought the ski lift was going to stop. It did not stop. Um, And so it's going around the corner and I realized, jump off now because it's the longer jump later. And so we, you know, off we went. It was, it was, it was, you know, my friends and I this day laugh about it. But anyway, get top of that hill I'm looking down there and and it's kind of this windy thing and there's all these trees everywhere you know running into trees is not optimal it's not a good thing 
And I remember to myself thinking, you know, when you go down that ski thing, you know, don't hit the trees, don't hit the trees, don't, guess what I did? Hit the tree, you know, and then invariably your ski pops off and there it goes down the hill all by itself, so you're going down the rest of the giant hill on one ski or, you know, trying to walk in those ski boots. If you've never walked in those, that's not fun. And they're very bottom. In, in this book, he used that illustration of, of those people that they get up in a helicopter and they drop them off in their snow skis atop some mountain and they ski down through the mountain over the hills and all through all the trees and everything like that. And, and it's just amazing. And they, they went and asked these, these scientists who were studying the mine, went and talked to these skiers and said, you know, how do you not hit the trees? And they said, several of them said, what trees? They looked at him and said, we don't look at the trees. We look at the path. Hmm. Quit looking at the trees and look at the path. He said, what do you mean? I mean, as a Christian, you and I got to keep looking at what is Right. Psalmist says, as for God, his way is perfect. Instead of always focusing on what I'm not to do, maybe what we ought to do is train ourselves to look at what am I to do. I am to be joyful today. I can choose to be joyful. I'm going to let my, my, my mind override my emotions. Mm, that would be really helpful, helpful for all of us. Look at, I'm going to take kind words. Oh, you don't know what I want to say right now, but no, I'm going to focus today. Everything I say to anybody that encounters me, even people that are mean to me, I'm going to say something kind to them. I'm going to today, I'm going to look at every opportunity I can find to serve God and serve others. I'm going to maybe get busy at some task at church or wherever you're at. I, I, I'm going to be looking to it with my spouse. What is it today I can say to my spouse that's going to make them a better version of themselves? How can I show God's love today? You know that famous verse that probably many of you can quote, Philippians 4, finally, brethren, what sort of things are true, what sort of things are honest and just and pure and lovely and are of good report. If there be any virtue and there be any praise, think on these things. Look at the path. That's how you can be reasonable. That's how we can offer reasonable service. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the teaching of your word today. God, help us in these areas of our lives where we need to yield to you. Uh, help us to live in a mindset of, of the spirit and not of the flesh. Holy Spirit of God, I pray if there's one that's listening today to the broadcast that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, there's never been a time where you recognized your need as a sinner um, before a holy God that Jesus came and died on a cross for your sins and rose again, and he offers you forgiveness and eternal life if you'll simply believe him for it. Would you trust God today? But how about it, dear Christian? You know, if you're offering reasonable service, it comes as we're not conformed to the world, but as our mind is renewed, as we prove, as we show out the will of God in our lives. Holy Spirit, as decisions are made in hearts and lives this morning, um, God, I pray that you'd help us to live out the Christ life to those around us. Lord, help us to enjoy the life and peace that is found in your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Brother Joe's going to lead us in a verse of invitation. If you want to come to the front and pray, we offer you to do that. And you do as the Lord leads.